Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the People Project Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Klein, and each week I'll be bringing you episodes on different topics that affect us all in different ways, internally, externally, or sometimes both. I created this podcast to talk about people because I believe that everyone has a story worthy of being told. Last week was all about conspiracy theories, and I was joined by the wonderful Mikey G. And this week's episode will be on the psychology of music, and I am joined by my friend Austin here in a little bit. Um, And we're going to kind of deep dive into our music tastes, what influenced them, music and emotion, and all that good stuff. So to get us started, um, there's actually a lot of really cool research out there about the science of music, music psychology, stuff like that. I really encourage y'all to kind of do like a little Google search and see what you can learn because there's there's a ton of information out there that this would be like a three-hour podcast if I tried to like give it all to you. Um, but something that I thought was really cool was this, that studies say that there's more to why we like music than it just being like a catchy beat or something we can sing along with. Um there are dozens of receptors in our brain that respond to different musical aspects like tone and rhythm and lyrics, and it helps us determine the qualities of the music that we personally like and dislike. So this is kind of like how our brain responds to music. So music starts as vibrations, which form sound waves as they go through the air and they enter the outer ear and it catches the sound waves and directs them into the ear canal where they hit the eardrum before passing through that and into the middle ear. And in the middle ear, there are three tiny bones that amplify the sound waves before they enter the inner ear. Then in the inner ear, sound waves enter the cochlea and there's fluid like that's the cochlea is filled with fluid and the movement of the fluid in the cochlea stimulates tiny nerve cells which convert sound waves into electrical impulses and then the auditory nerve transmits the electrical impulses to the brain where they're interpreted as sound so whether you use music as like physical pain management or emotional pain management or just something to have on in the background when you're cleaning your house, there are specific parts of that music that trigger different parts of your brain, whether it's an emotional response for a song that's attached to a special memory um, or maybe a difficult memory, um, or if it's just something that like makes you happy because you love the lyrics or it's just like a happy song that you can't help but like, you know, dance along to. And so another thing that I read was um, that your quote unquote favorite song is probably your favorite because you associate it with an emotional event in your life, according to a study po- published by the um, published in the journal Psychology of Music. And I mean, even in like movies, they do that, you know, if it's, if it's a horror movie, they're going to play like really intense music before something's about to jump out at you. Or if it's like a romantic comedy, you know, when the boy and the girl meet for the first time, there's going to be all this romantic music going and whatever, like music is used to, to evoke emotion in us and to make us feel things. And we, we associate different music with different events in our life. And 
so that's kind of what me and Austin are going to get into in a little bit. Um, a lot of you guys submitted some really awesome questions. So we talk a lot about our music tastes and, you know, what we enjoy listening to, our, some of our favorite concerts, some of our favorite bands. Um, but then also, of course, you know, like I was just talking about the music that that makes us feel certain ways um, or that, you know, we really that we really go to during, you know, certain times in our life. So stay tuned and that's coming right up. All right, so now I am joined by my friend Austin. Hi, Kelsey. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me. So um, we got a bunch of questions on this topic. So I guess we can start with, as far as your musical influences, kind of what did you listen to growing up? Like what was played around the house by your parents and whatever, um, like as you were growing up? Well, my dad was really into, like, he was really into, like, 80s hair metal, but, like, he also loved, like, Metallica and Pantera and stuff like that, and he always just listened to, like, whatever rock station we had growing up. So that's basically what, you know, I grew up with, but I also been like a big city area so, like, all my friends were, like, listening to rap music, my uncle listened to rap music. And so I was also like really into that. And then, so yeah, that's, uh, that's mainly what influenced my, uh, musical taste. I don't really listen to rap music that much anymore, especially with what we have on the radio today, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but so, yeah, that's basically what influenced it. Yeah. So do you still listen to like a lot of the same music that you grew up listening to, or do you think your taste is like evolved over time? My taste has totally evolved. I don't listen to, like, any of that stuff anymore, really. Like, I don't... I mean, I, I'll still go back and listen to some of it. Like, I'll, like, like I said, a lot of the music that was on the radio. So we had, like, The Offspring and, you know, Nirvana and Green Day and stuff like that. So, you know, sometimes I'll go back and listen to, like, Green Day, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, so when I was doing research for all this... Um, I saw where it said that your musical tastes start being formed at age 14 and they peak at age 24 and then it just kind of stays pretty consistent afterwards. So do you agree with that? That is like, <laughs> that's totally accurate. That it is, really freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so weird. Um, yeah, because I feel like what I was listening to, let's see, 24, quick math, five years ago, um... That's pretty much what I'm listening to now. I guess any, like, new bands I've listened to or bands I listened to before that, they kind of all fit into that. Right. Like, same group. Right. Um, and I'm 26, so, like, yeah, all the bands I was listening to, you know, two years ago, I still heavily listen to now. Yeah. But it's really funny because, like, the bands that I started listening to at age 14 really shaped mm -hmm. what I listen to now. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's really funny. Let's see. And sometimes I still even, you know, listen to a lot of the stuff I listened to at 14, you know, like bands like Silverstein and yeah. The Day to Remember and stuff. I don't want to divulge into a bunch of bands that people don't listen to, but yeah. Oh, you know no, we're I mean. getting into plenty of those bands because about <laughs> half of the people that ask questions, that's the music that they listen to. So, mm. um, so it'll be good. It'll be good. Um, yeah. 
So 14, that's what, like freshman in high school? Ish, yeah. Yeah, so I guess I was listening to a mix of like Corn and Slipknot and like The Devil Wears Prada and A Day to Remember. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to this. The music yeah, that terrified my mother. <laughs> yeah, A Day to Remember. Um, I still listen Devil to A Day to Prada, Remember. Silverstein, Under Oath. Oh, Under Oath. Um, Under was a big one for me at that age. Especially that one album. They're only chasing safety, though. That's still yeah, that's, like an album I go back to all sure. the time. So, another thing said that there are like a variety of things that influence our musical taste. So, there's the culture that we grew up in, subcultures that like we find ourselves a part of socioeconomic stuff but then also like the way our brain is wired so do you think that there's like certain people that just will never like a certain type of music no matter how hard they try like their brain just cannot comprehend anyone possibly being entertained by like a specific genre yeah for sure like I there's people that I try to get into like um like certain like skate punk bands you know with that like really fast beat and then there's just some people that don't like that fast beat they can't get into it they can't it's just not their thing you know what i mean and so yeah and then there's people that don't like like hardcore or metal music because they don't like the screaming you know what i mean they're just like why do people like this screaming crap (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah (laughs) yeah they're just yelling you don't even understand what they're saying you know like yeah you know that's totally accurate so, what are your favorite and least favorite types of music? So, my favorite is definitely on, like, the punk, alternative, indie side of music. And least favorite is definitely country. Which is pretty odd, because, like, I still like, like, bluegrass music. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Trampled by Turtles. And, like, I love that, but I don't like country music. Okay, so outside of just genre, what are some of your favorite bands or artists that, like, you just always go back to? Um, so, like, do we want to do, like, absolute favorite bands? Like, should I run down, like, a top five? Sure, yeah. Kind of thing? We can, we can each do, like, a top five. So while you're okay. answering, I'm going to sit here and try to figure out what my <laughs> top five are. I, I My top five is definitely set. I always know what it is. So... Um, number five right now would probably be Frank Turner. Oh, so we're he, going like, we're going backwards. Yeah, I'm gonna okay, go backwards. Cool. We're gonna we're gonna save number one for last. Okay. But um, so yeah, Frank Turner is probably at number five. He's just an amazing musician. Everything he puts out is beautiful. Um, Love Iron Song is a musical masterpiece of an album. <laughs> It is just fantastic artwork. At number four is the Flatliners. Um, Chris Cresswell is an amazing songwriter, and he has one of the most, like, dis- it's his voice is very different, but mm-hmm. oh, I love it so much. Um, Alkaline Trio at number three. Mm-hmm. Again, just an amazing group of songwriters. Uh, number two as the Menzingers. I've seen them like four times now. Um, 
And number one is no use for a name. They are definitively my favorite band of all time. And I don't think that that could ever be replaced. So no one, no one's ever beating them. No, I don't, I don't think that's possible for me. So top five. Like, I feel like it changes a lot for me. There's like the or the specific order, I guess. Like, I think all five of these bands or people um, have always been on here, but like the order changes. Um, if I had a top six, Taylor Swift would be six. She would be number six. <laughs> but so an honorable mention to Taylor Allison Swift <laughs> almost <laughs> made the list. Um, but number five is Four Year Strong. Um, they're so good and like one of the best live shows I've ever seen. For um, sure. Just so good. Um, and number four, it's technically band. It's one guy. It, he his name's Ryan O'Neill. The band artist, whatever, is called Sleeping at Last, and he like writes and composes and records like does all of it himself and it's all really good and every single album he does has like a different like concept and theme to it and stuff it's pretty cool um i can get really nerdy talking about sleeping at last for a while so we're just gonna move on um number three is frank turner i think i heard him the first time like 10 years ago or so when i was living in memphis um a friend of mine was really into him and introduced me to him and the rest was history. Um, he's just like, he's a storyteller, and I really appreciate that in um, musicians. But yeah, number two sure. is Mayday Parade. <laughs> Will always be Mayday Parade. Um, that's, I mean, one of those bands that I started listening to probably around the time that I was 14 and still was listening to when I was 24 and still listen to today. Um, my first tattoo was a Mayday Parade tattoo. I got a little anchor on my foot. Um, number one is not going to surprise a single person who has ever had a conversation with me about music, and it's Lainey. <laughs> if I, like, go a full day without listening to a Lainey song, talking about Paul Klein, like, anything, there's something wrong with me having a bad day. Um, they're just, they're the best band in the whole world. Okay, this question was submitted by Liz, and I've thought about it all week because I don't think I know the answer to this yet. Um, so if you need a minute to think about it, that's fine. What is your No Skips album? So right off the top of my head, I have three. Okay. And I'll go with those. So I mentioned earlier Frank Turner's uh, Love, Iron Song. That's mm -hmm. one of them. Number two. Oh, From Here to Infirmary by Alkaline Trio. Okay. And, oh, actually, I got four. After the Party by the Menzingers. Mm-hmm is not skippable at all and the last one is uh feel good record of the year by no use for your name every song front to back is perfect um i i was just pulling up my text with liz to see because i there i just can't remember what i spent like three hours trying to figure this out the other night um so i also have four <laughs> because i couldn't just choose one um after the Party is on my list as well. It is absolutely no skips. Um, then Tape Deck Heart by Frank Turner. That's a really good album, too. It's, that's, it's, an, that's, it's a no skips that's album. That's up there for Frank Turner albums for me, for sure. It's absolutely my favorite. 
Um, then A Lesson in Romantics by Mayday Parade. No surprises there. <laughs> and also no surprises, Malibu Nights by Lainey. Um, okay, what is the last song that you listened to? Uh, something by Billy Strings, because I was just listening to Billy Strings. Um, yeah, I hadn't really listened to Billy, or even knew who Billy Strings was, and Derek played Dust in a Baggie, and the first time I heard it, I was like, what was this? Like, what are you showing me? But then I listened to it more, like, listened to more of his stuff, and I developed, I developed a liking to Billy Strings. Bluegrass music's, like, not really my thing. Like, my uncle plays the mandolin, and, I like, he played a lot of it when I was growing up, but I can, I can appreciate it. I'll say that. I don't hate it. Well, like, most people aren't, like, punk fans, but also bluegrass fans, but, like, I have a lot of friends that are, like, like, wicked hippies, (laughs) so they're all (laughs) listening to, like, bluegrass and Grateful Dead and stuff like that. Like, you know, like, Dispatch and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, stuff like that. All right. Oh, last song I listened to. I keep forgetting, like, that I need to answer these questions, too. Never Feel Alone by The Dangerous Summer. Also, probably a top ten band for me. Not top five, but top ten. The Dangerous Summer? Mm Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yep. What is your most recently discovered band or artist? Um, there's this band called Pup. Mm-hmm. It's really good. They're like a indie. I don't know what to call them, but they're pretty good. Um, Weather State. They're pretty good. They they're kind of a punk band. I would say they're a punk band, but I don't know. I'm not gonna get very. You're not gonna divulge into what? Yeah, I'm not gonna be a genre <laughs> brat about it. But um, that's probably good. yeah. Those are my probably good Weather choice. State's pretty good. I. They only got a couple of, or I think only one album, but they're pretty good. I'm trying to, I'm just scrolling through my playlist of chaos, trying to see like who I've recently added. Um, Olivia Rodrigo. That's going to be my generic answer. And she released that song driver's license and it was so sad, but so good. Um, I've cried many tears to that song. That I cannot remotely relate to, but it's so good. Um, I've seen her name pop up everywhere, and I'm just like, I don't know who that is. She's like, I don't know, she's like <laughs> so 17, out of touch. I think. It's okay. Okay, what is your favorite song to sing in the car? Uh, Mail Call by the Menzingers. It's is that like there, all-time favorite Waits or album. just like recent favorite? It's up there. Um Another one is a bunch of, like, okay, so, like, we'll go recent favorites. A bunch of them are, that are my favorites are also on the, um, From Exile album by the Menzingers, too. Like, Anna, and Strain Your Memory, and America, You're Freaking Me Out, and, yeah. Um, for me... As I previously mentioned, Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. (laughs) Um, And then I Don't Want to Love You Anymore by Lainey. So do you believe that people have a different reaction to the same music that they listen to, like on a device, versus when they see it live? And 
do you attribute that to the environment um, and the extra like stimuli of that environment? So I definitely think that people have a different reaction to it for sure because I definitely do. I love, love seeing bands live. Mm-hmm. Going to shows is like my favorite thing to do. Um, it's just something about being there and just being like, and thinking about it now after after a pandemic, it's kind of sketchy, right? Just right. being in these packed crowds of people. Like really sweaty people. Sweaty. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So like, you know, and, but that like, I don't know, I don't care because like I said, there's just something about that and, you know, being in these venues and just seeing your favorite bands play all your favorite songs and getting to sing along to them and just, I don't know, there's just something about that for me that's, that will kind of, it's like a cleanser, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're having a bad couple weeks or months or whatever, and like I feel like going to a show is like oh yeah it's like going to therapy well for sure i was i was talking to derek about it because there's just something about being in like a room or at a venue or whatever with a bunch of people that like you have no idea like their background or their beliefs or their political views or whatever but like everybody is there for like this one reason they love this band and you're gonna like scream every single word to every single song for the next like hour and a half and it's gonna be like the best time and it's just like when you're there you can just forget about everything else that's going on and just like really enjoy it and I agree with you like there's nothing there's nothing better than that it's just it's the best time all right next question is what was your first concert so when I was like eight nine years old like i said we listened to i like i listened to the radio with my dad a lot right so my favorite band when i was like eight nine ten years old was lincoln park okay okay so for my ninth birthday my parents bought me concert tickets to go see lincoln park um also on the bill i found out later that these two bands were on there but we got there after them. Mm-hmm. So the first two bands that started were The Used. What? And Less Than Jake. Burt McCracken. Yes, for sure. I would I would have not like known who they are at that time. But right. like, I mean, you were what? You know, what did you say, now, like eight I'm years like, old? <laughs> I was, it was for my ninth birthday. Yeah, yeah. you would not have so, known who The Used was. Probably shouldn't have known not. who The Used was. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so they were on there and then... After them, we got there in time. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> what? Yep. Snoop Dogg played the first, was the first person that played there. So technically the first person I've ever seen live is Snoop Dogg. That, this is chaotic. Corn uh, <laughs> played after Snoop Dogg. Who, they put on a and great show. They did. They, they were, um, they were definitely the best band there for sure. Yep. And then uh, Linkin Park headlined it. And that was, that was my first concert. That's that's a yep. good first concert. I don't want to tell mine yep. now. Mine are lame. <laughs> so the first concert that I remember was the Monkees. <laughs> and so my dad's 80 years old. So he, you know, I guess I didn't, I don't think I answered the, the question about what music the I grew monkeys. up listening to. But like my dad's 80. So like I 
with him, I grew up listening to like the Temptations and Elvis and the Monkees yeah. and the Bee Gees and like yeah. all that kind of stuff. But then my mom really loved Rick Springfield and Journey and Foreigner and Aerosmith and all that. So like it was just like it was just chaos. And then I was just in the middle trying to kind of figure out, you know, what I liked. Um, so yeah. first concert was the Monkees at the Mid South Fair. Um, I don't know how I remember that. My mom said I was like four. Um, but I remember it. Um, and, but the first like concert that I chose to go to, I, I called my mom about this yesterday cause I couldn't remember which one was first. And she said they were like the same year. So I guess I have two answers. <laughs> one time while we had a trip planned to Orlando, um, Aaron Carter was going to be in town. So Yo. I got, <laughs> I got tickets <laughs> to see Aaron Carter, um, at some, I think it was like where UCF plays basketball. I think that's like at their arena. That's where I went and saw Aaron Carter. And I remember every detail about this. There was like a, like a, a confetti cannon and like bubbles everywhere. (laughs) And it was incredible. Um, but my first like big concert, I guess it was in sync and, um, Cisco opened for them. And it was when the thong song was big. <laughs> and I was like eight. So I just remember like the whole time Cisco was on, my mom had like my eyes covered because he had like, you know, it's the thong song. He had a bunch of dancers and all this stuff. And my mom's like, absolutely not. And then NSYNC came out. And um, they did Justin Timberlake's high school graduation at um, the concert because like he's from Memphis. The concert was in Memphis. So that was that was my first concert. That's a cool first concert. Yeah, right. Um, so, outside of first concert, what's your favorite concert? This is hard. Um, so, I guess my favorite concert... Um, so, in 2012, which was the year I graduated... Yeah, okay, so it was... Yeah, it was 2012. I went and saw... Rising, it was a Rise Against concert. They were headlining. It was at the New York State Fairgrounds. And they played with A Day to Remember and Title Fight. Title Fight Ooh. was the opener. Title yeah, Fight. That was a good show. They played pretty good. I wasn't really into them. They have, um, there's one song that I liked at the time. And then, like, the rest of their stuff I couldn't get into. I think. With my, I think with my music, if I had my music taste now that I had back then, I probably would have liked them and probably would have enjoyed the show a lot more. Yeah. But um. But yeah, that was that was a really good show. A day to remember played an awesome show. It was really muddy too. But um. They're. A day to remember played they great. They always put on a good show. They were my favorite band at the time for a really long time. Like you know how I say "No Use for a Name" is like my top number one. Right, that was yeah. a day to remember for a really long time. Um. But yeah, and then Rise Against played like the they put on like one of the best performances I've ever seen. And like there was one point where it started raining, mm-hmm. and like they took off um, all like the electrical guitars and everything. And then Tim McElrath, the singer, just came out with an acoustic guitar, so he started playing uh, like Hero at War and Swing Life Away. You know, oh they're like gosh, sad acoustic yes. favorites. Yeah. And, like, they played it, like, in the rain, and it was dark out. That's so, like, awesome. the lights with the rain. And it was just, like, a like a really like a crazy, thing. beautiful. Yeah, for sure. And um, 
they played another one too. What was it? Um, Audience of One was the other one they played on acoustic, and then they and then it stopped raining, and then they picked it back up. But I love Rise Against. They're another like they're not like in a top ten, but anytime I go back and listen to them, I'm always I, don't know, I love them a lot. Yeah, for so, me, yeah, that's my answer. I have a couple. I don't know if I can. This is a really difficult question, and I knew the questions ahead of time, and I still couldn't figure out an answer. Um, but April of 2019 I think um it was Laney it was on their Malibu Nights tour they played at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville which is like a just a really cool venue it was like originally built as a church so like all the Mm -hmm. seats are like pews kind of and we always sit in the balcony because you can see really well and like just the sound in there is amazing like it's just it's a really cool venue and um, so it was me and Derek and his brother and um, his wife, my sister-in-law. Um, and the whole set was perfect. They're like, it was just, I don't know, it was just really cool. It was the biggest venue I had seen them in. Um, and so, I mean, I like sang every word, every song was like jumping up and down the whole time. The next day, like for a week, the back of my calves had bruises on them from like hitting the pews from like jumping um so it was that was a great great show and another one me and my friend sarah went to see um taylor swift on the reputation stadium tour um and that it was so good so i had gotten tickets and they were supposed to be in like the nosebleeds like soup it was at Mm -hmm. um the stadium where the titans play in nashville and so um i got an email like the week of the show and it was like hey um we're going to be filming because she has like the reputation thing on Netflix or whatever. And they were like, we're going to be filming parts of the show and cameras are going to be where your seats are. Um, when you get to the, to the concert, like go to the, go to will call and you'll get your new tickets. And I was like, what? Like I, like I paid a stupid amount of money for these tickets. What do you mean? My, I don't have my <laughs> seats anymore. And so I was really upset all week. Oh yeah. Um, and so, for for those of you that don't know, um, ev- like people dress up for Taylor Swift concerts, and like, cause she every single tour she has like a a room that she like invites people back into like after the show. And so this one, I think it was called like the rep room or something. I don't remember. Um, but like she has like her friends and like people that are part of like her team, and that like walk through the concert. And if they like really see you having a good time, they like your costume, they like your outfit, whatever they'll invite you back. So like, obviously me and Sarah dressed up. Um, and so I get to the will call and I get my tickets and I look and they were like lower level tickets, like three rows up from the, the ground. And I lost my mind. There's a, I took a video, like the camera's like shaking like this and I'm like freaking out. I mean, these tickets probably cost at least $500 a piece. And I, like, I just got lucky that there were giant cameras where my seats originally were. So, so that, like, in addition to the fact that, like, I really liked that album, the whole theatrics of everything was really good. That was, that's a top concert for me. So that and Lainey, probably. And That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what was the last concert you attended and what is the next concert you plan to attend? 
So the last concert I was at was right before the apocalypse started. It was in February of 2020. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So yeah, it was, and it was, um, Real Big Fish was the headliner and Big D and the Kids Table was the other band that played. So it was a ska show. And then the next, the next show, um, is Billy Strings. A buddy of mine got a hold of me and was like, yo, I know you love Billy Strings. We got, uh, tickets, you know, to be like right up front too. So I'm really pumped about it. That's that's awesome. In July, I think. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, there's a lot of announcements. Like I know it's, it's really like overwhelming me a little bit. I have never been so happy to see (laughs) show announcements. Like it's just nature is healing. It's, it's a different feeling. They're definitely like, you know, before you'd scroll past, you'd scroll through Instagram or something and, you know, you'd see a show flyer and be like, okay, dope. I'm going to go see that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And you're like, all right, I'll buy tickets when I get to it. And then now I'm scrolling past and it's like, it's, it's it's a different feeling for oh, sure. Oh yeah, for sure. But last concert that I went to that like I paid for was Sarah Bareilles. Um she's another one of my favorites. She's up there for me. Um I just have to kind of be in I have to be in the mood for her music. But um she played at the Grand Ole Opry um in October of 2019 and me and my friend uh, Ashton went and saw her and it was her first tour that she did after she wrote um and like starred in the Broadway musical Waitress and Mm -hmm. so she did a lot of songs from that and like a lot of her old songs and I walked down the aisle to one of her songs and she sang it there it was the first time I heard it live so that was just like waterworks it was just great right um but it was it was really cool and then um but in january of 2020 um i went and saw dylan scott um i think i think brantley gilbert was who they were opening for but they played at um the kfc yum center which is where louisville plays in um in louisville and that was cool because it was like the i think the biggest venue i'd seen them play at that is cool the next concert that I have tickets to as of right now um, is Bayside in September. So I'm really excited. So what would be your bucket list concert for both like a musician or band that's like alive and still together and then who is like no longer alive? So this is an easy one for me cause, just because they were supposed to play I'm going to use this show as an example because they were supposed to play last year, but the pandemic hit and like I had tickets for it and everything already. And um, mm-hmm. obviously it didn't happen, but Alkaline Trio and Bad Religion were on a tour together and I was supposed to go see them in Buffalo last year. So that's my, I'm going to use that for my bucket list show um, for people that are still alive. Mm-hmm. As for people that have passed away and no longer with us, um, it'll be my favorite band, which is no use for a name. Um, I guess for me, um, would be Frank Turner. I don't know how I've gone this long without seeing him live, but I definitely want to do that. And then for who's not, I don't know, maybe like Michael Jackson or Prince. (gasps) No, Nirvana. That's who I would pick. Nirvana. There you go. So moving on to the next topic is music and emotion so um 
when we like think about the science of music, there's studies that talk about that there are certain frequencies and like vibrations and stuff like that in music that are used in therapy, of course, but also in like other medical situations. Like they play music in the NICU for like all the little like preemie babies and like all that. And it helps like their immune system get boosted and they play certain music in cancer wards. And I mean, studies have shown that music directly improves immune system function, reduces stress. Um, And a lot of people say that like music is able to express what is like inexpressible, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the music's relationship to brain chemistry, neurology, physiology, and memory makes music a useful tool for mental health treatment as well. Um, And in my opinion, I don't think it's really possible to celebrate, like, music and emotion. Like, every song is attached to, like, a time or a place or a memory or a person or a feeling. Like, it's not just, like, here's the song. Unless I haven't really heard it or listened to it very much. Like, if it's an artist that I listen to frequently or a song I've listened to frequently, I'll hear a song and I'll think of somebody. And hopefully it's somebody that, like, I enjoy thinking about and I'm not, like, I hate them, skip the song, you know, whatever. But... Like, do you, do you agree with that? Do you disagree? What's your um, experience with that? I think it, I think that depends on the person for sure. Cause I like, I, I kind of do that. Like, I don't, I don't like to admit it cause it's not really like something that you should do. Right. Because music should just be enjoyed. But, um, you know, like you said, there are songs or music or artists that will remind you of a certain time in your life mm-hmm. or a certain person in your life that, you know, might not have the best memories attached to, right? Yeah. And it's, and you know, hearing that might, um, might bring those back up. Yeah. You know, I have, I, I do have a couple of songs that are like that. Um, so I mean, I think, like, I think it depends on the person. Yeah. For sure. So, this is a question from Dylan Grimm. Um, Do either of us get goosebumps when listening to a song where the lyrics hit you right in the feels? Of course. All the time. So, what song or songs? Um, Anna by Menzingers. Okay. Um, Monumental by the Flatliners. Okay. That's another like earlier we were talking about uh, like car concert songs. That's that's one of them for me for sure. I get really intense when I I start listening to that song. Um, but yeah, I, there's a ton of them for me because like that's just how I treat music, right? Yeah. Like I, it's it is a therapy thing. For yeah. Me. Um. Let me see. So I have I have playlists that I've created. So. I guess another question, are you a like a playlist person or an album person? Both. I mean, I have, I don't have like multiple playlists, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm chaotic where I'll just throw everything all in one and mm-hmm. then, you know, let fate decide. <laughs> but um, I do like to go and listen to albums because yeah. I think, and like, do you, because you're an album person too sometimes, right? Sometimes. 
sometimes like but like do you have that thing where like you enjoy a song more when you're listening to it with the album do you know what i mean yeah like no i mean every this is gonna sound really book nerdy but whatever every like album is like a, a playlist, book you'll skip it but exactly so like i feel like albums are written kind of like a book and like I, when I'm listening to an album, I'm not going to shuffle it. I'm going to start with the first song and I'm going to listen to it in the order that Correct. the artist put it together yep. because there's a reason for that. Yep. And um, there's actually a worship band called um, uh, Maverick City, I think is what they're called. And them and this other worship band from Elevation Church called Elevation Worship, they came together and did like an album. Um, and it's called Old Church Basement, and every song, like, flows in, I don't know how they recorded it, I guess they recorded it in just, like, one big, massive session, because every song, like, flows into each other, and I know a lot of albums that are like that, that, like, if you listen to the song separately, like, whatever, they're fine, but, like, when you listen to it all as, like, a whole, it tells the full story, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... But I guess as far as, like, playlist or album person, it really just depends. Like, so we're going to come back to the Goosebumps question because this, what we're talking about right now, feeds into a question that um, Paul Butler actually submitted. And um, he asked, like, examples for where you listen to music when you need to feel a certain way. Like, music to, like, influence or change your feelings. And so, I mean, I have three... I have four playlists that like I've created on Spotify and one is called sad. One is called mad. And then like the other two is just like what I'm currently listening to like over the last week. And I change it every week. Um, like I update it every week. And then, um, I just have like my huge, massive 40 hour and 20 minute long playlist of just like songs I dump onto it. So like, I absolutely use music to influence my my mood. I do, but not in that way. Like I don't have, um, I don't have certain stuff that I go to like when I need to lecture myself up or anything like that. Yeah. Like music as a whole does that for me. You know what I mean? Plus, like all the music I listen to is kind of sad. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Like you go through my top five, you got yeah. like Alkaline Trio. And That's true. They're they're all, they're all pretty, you know what I mean. They're like, all pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> but um. So, yeah, I I just, like I said, music as a whole does that for me. So, like, yeah. anything I can put on and, like, enjoy and yeah makes me feel a certain way. Yeah. Um, so, going back to the Goosebumps question, because um, I forgot to answer it. Um, so, I'm on my sad playlist. But a big song on there, no surprise, it's by Lainey. Um, and it's called Hurricane. Um, but Malibu Nights is every single time I listen to it, it gives me goosebumps at the end. Um, but another one is, uh, Go Home by Julian Baker. Um, her voice is really like eerie almost. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like all of her songs are very sad. And so that's, but that the lyrics of that song are, they definitely always get to me. So I guess those are, those are two that I, that I immediately think of, um, but, but yeah, I mean, if I'm just mad and I need to just like yell about it in my car, I've got a whole three hour and 15 minute playlist full of, full of songs. <laughs> um, so this is a question partially from Dylan Grimm and partially from Paul Butler. Um, so 
is there a song that you won't listen to because it makes you too sad? Um, and then Paul Butler said, some music can elicit an emotional response in people. Are there any songs that have that effect on you? And what do you think causes that? Is it the lyrics, the certain melody, or is it something else? Strangers Forever by the Menzingers. Okay. It, definitely the lyrics. Um, yeah. If you know the song, it's pretty self-explanatory. The name's pretty self-explanatory, too. But, yeah. That's the one. So, so you just, you always skip it. Can't listen to it. Yeah. Won't listen for to sure. it. Yeah. Yep. Every time. Yeah. It's um, not on any of my playlists. Yeah. It is the one Menzinger song that is not liked on Spotify for me. <laughs> like you actively avoid it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Get rid of it. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that song. Now I need to go listen to it. It's um, up there, the newest one. That's why I haven't album listened to that very much, so that's probably one. Um, for me... It's a good album. So, being a highly emotional person, there's a lot of songs that, like... I don't know. I mean, I'll I'll hear a song like we were talking about earlier and it'll make me think of a certain person or a certain memory and some of them are good, some of them are bad. Like I mean, there are certain people that I'm not friends with anymore that, you know, there's bands that we went and saw live and I I'm in a place now with all of that where like I can listen to that music again and I don't get like really like upset, but for a while I couldn't listen to any of that music because it just like upset me so bad um but I think right now the one song that I will not listen to and I always skip is um if this is the last time by Lainey um it is so like it was really rude of them when they released it because they didn't tell anybody like what it was about or how sad it was I've never I have never cried so hard listening to a song in my entire life um because it's about like if this is the last time I speak to my parents like, this is what I want to tell them. And so, like, verse one is to his mom. Verse two is to his dad. And, like, my dad being the age that he is, like, that's a literal fear I live with every single day. That something's yeah. going to happen to my dad. And, like, I'm super close with him. Like, I love my dad more than anything or anyone in this entire world. And so, like, that's a day that I dread. And so, hearing that song, mm -hmm. I was like, nope. I don't want to feel these feelings. Like, no. I'm not dealing with it, you know? Yeah. So, it's not... It's on my. It was on my sad playlist, but I removed it um, because it was just. It was just too much, yeah. um, and so that. So that's one that I just always have to skip. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any more. There are certain bands. I don't really listen to Corn anymore because they're just. They're kind of associated with a certain person um, in a certain time in my life that was very traumatic, and yep. um, I just. I don't go to a great place when I hear that music. And so I yeah. just need to stay away from it. Um, and yeah, so not, not to get into that too much, but um, yeah. outside of like music that like makes us sad or that's like tied to like negative things. What are some songs, artists, like good memories that you have attached to? Stuff? I'll say four years strong um, is, really the only one i got i'm sorry but um four years strong is a is a big band that like always like gives me happy memories just because it was four years strong is a band that was like the basis of like two of my closest friendships yeah like growing up and um 
like every time I've seen them, they put on a great show too. So yeah. like they're and they're, 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 they're so fun live too. Yeah, they're a really fun band to see live for sure. Um, so yeah, I'll have to. They're they're my example for sure. Okay, is there like a? Is it often that like you'll listen to a song and it just makes you think of like? Just makes you think of somebody like maybe not necessarily like a memory, but you're just like. I don't know. It's like a song that just brings somebody to your mind, whether that's good or bad. Yeah, I mean, to bring us back to the the previous question, like, I can't really listen to anything, like, any songs that, like, have to do with grieving. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, without getting too much into that, yeah, I can't do it at all. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of different artists or bands that... Like, if they'll come up on my shuffle, like, if I'm just listening to them on a playlist, if they'll come up on shuffle, and it's something that, like, someone has introduced me to, or it's an artist that I know somebody else likes, I'm like, it makes me think of that person, and I'm like, oh, like, you know, it just, like, makes me think of them, and that's a good thing, I guess, but I don't know, like... There's, we played a lot of music at our wedding, so that's a big thing. Like I said earlier, that Sarah Barella song that I walked down the aisle to, that's a big one. Um, it's called I Choose You. Um, I was actually going to walk down the aisle to a Sleeping at Last song called Turning Page, but um, then I found out that it's the song that Bella walked down the aisle to in Twilight, and I just couldn't do that to myself. No, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't do that. Um, so... But yeah, so I Choose You by Sarah Bareilles. That's obviously got good memories attached. There's this song, there's this band Paper Out that that we used to listen to a lot. And they have this song called Sugar. That was our first dance. Um, but I haven't listened, I don't have not listened to them in years. And then obviously, I Love You So Bad by Lainey because, you know, I have it tattooed on my arm. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one for me. But okay, what is like a band or an artist that you really like to listen to but then you saw live and you were really disappointed and then on the opposite of that a band that like you saw live that you either didn't really know before um and then you listened to them later and you were like they're they sound totally different so there's this band called balance and composure that i like they had two like really really solid solid albums and then they come out with another one that was I mean, a lot. A lot of people like it. I think it's dog, shit. but um, yeah. And I went and saw them live at this festival. It's called I Matter Festival. It's like down in like southern New York, um, and it's a free show that like a church puts on every every year. But um, yeah, they played that, and like they, it was like the worst band I've probably ever seen live. And then um, a band that I didn't really know or enjoy, but I ended up liking. So not the last show that I went to, but the one before that was um, Bayside was headlining it. And then um, Sincere Engineer was another band that was on the list as well. And I didn't know who they were at all. Usually I like I do... You know, like a, a playthrough of bands that are also going to be at the show. Like if I'm going there and I don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. But I forgot to do that somehow, I guess. Or maybe I did and I don't remember or whatever. But um, so when we got to the show, there was a band that was finishing up. Mm-hmm. And 
when I looked at the flyer, I didn't see, like, you know how most shows have, like, a local that'll yeah. come and open it up. And I didn't see that on the flyer, so I didn't assume that there was going to be one. And um, so when we got there, it ended up being that band, the local opener, whoever it was. But um, so I was like, cool, let's get right up front. Bayside's about to play. And um, it wasn't them. It ended up being Sincere Engineering. So I was like, oh, screw it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go grab drinks or whatever. So I go to the bar, grab drinks. And like by the bar... Like, it's one of those venues that, like, the bar is right there next to the stage. Like, not next to the stage, but, like, it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's one room kind of thing. But they had TVs next to the bar that um, was displaying the, the stage. Mm -hmm. So, Sincere Engineer comes up, and they start playing. And um, I'm listening, and I'm like, oh, this is good, this is good. And then the... So, they have a female singer, and she starts singing, and I'm like, whoa. And... I look over and she, you know, she's still singing, still singing. I'm like, all right, I need to get down there. So I quickly grab my drinks and I start going down there. And like, I push through all these people because that's just how I work at shows. Like, there's no rules at shows. You, you know, if you want to get to the front, you better fly your ass through the front. And um, now they're one of my favorite bands. And like, you listen to them on recording. Like, I highly recommend people that listen to, you know, if you listen to any of the bands that we mentioned in this podcast, then you might like Sincere Engineer. They their their like studio work does no justice to how they sound live her voice live is phenomenal it's great <laughs> and i'm supposed to go see them again like later on this year too and i'm pretty excited but yeah so there's my example of that they're easily in like my top 10 favorite bands now though yeah. and like i didn't even know who they were yeah at, by the end of 2019 so for me I I really liked Ellie Goulding, like, back in the day. Like, when she, you know, was super popular and everything. Mm -hmm. And so we went and saw her play at the Ryman Auditorium where I saw Lainey. And um, I was so excited because I was like, this is going to be such a fun show, whatever. I don't know what was wrong with her. It was, it was so bad. <laughs> like... She it would, sucks, right? It was. I was so upset, and like we all kept looking at each other, like, "What is happening?" It was really disappointing. I, I was just. I'm still in shock about it. I think we think that she might have been under the influence of a lot of heavy medication, and mm -hmm. like it was just. It was very weird. Um, but then, an artist that like I hadn't really heard. Um, we went and saw the 1975 back in like 2014 and when I, I used to really like them, I really liked that album that like their self-titled album. But after that, I can't stand them. Um, and this band called Bad Sons opened up for them and this dude was really weird. Like he was, I did not enjoy their live performance very much, um, but I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Then I heard them on, like, I heard their album or I heard them, like, on something. And I ended up really liking them. So I was introduced to them through, like, a live show where I didn't really enjoy them. But I ended up, like, they're, they're a band I listen to frequently now, like, that I really enjoy. So I guess I wouldn't have, have heard them without that. But um, I've seen, I've gone and seen them again 
with like other people and they've been like more enjoyable. I think maybe, I don't know if he was just like nervous or like they were just like a baby band and didn't know what they were doing yet. But it was, it was like awkward to watch if you know what I mean. So anyway, bad sense. Okay. So last thing. So talking about, um, music and therapy and emotion. Um, I said earlier that I feel like every song is like attached to, some sort of memory or emotion or feeling. Um, and so back in the day there, which the organization still exists. It's just not as like prominent in pop culture, but there's this organization called to write love on her arms. And it was like a mental health awareness, suicide prevention organization. And they would put on like concerts and they were always at warp tour and all this stuff. Um, and so, kind of along those same lines, there was a compilation album put together called Songs That Saved My Life. And I would make deeps on that with that song torn. Yeah. So they kind of put this stuff together as like I think these artists, from what I understand about that compilation album, these artists were like going through and they covered songs that like they feel like very literally saved their life. Um so are there songs that come to mind that you think of that you're like, okay, without this, like this song really got me through a really difficult time in my life? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say songs specifically, um, okay. but like artists definitely have, like No Use for a Name definitely did that for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, their singer Tony Sly, his solo stuff as well. Really, it's really like, good when we talk about like, you know, getting myself through things like that mm-hmm. was a big, a, a band that really majorly helped me out in a lot of different ways, them and like the flatliners, mm-hmm. um, you know, the men's singers as well. It, it's hard to explain. Right. But like, it's, it's crazy, like, how easily music can, like, help you put things into perspective. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you you can have an emotion that, like, you won't, you could never, like, put into words on your own. But, like, you'll hear a song and, like, you know, a lyric, they'll play a lyric and... They just, express it, the inexpressible. It, yeah, it comes together for you right then mm-hmm. and there. You know, they'll just say a couple words and you're like, yes, that's how I feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like... So, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, like I said, there isn't really, like, any song specifically, but there are definitely a bunch of artists that have got me through a difficult time in my life, for sure. Yeah. Multiple, for sure. Um, For me, there are, there are two songs that come to mind, and then there's a third song that I actually heard for the first time, um, like, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. Uh, so, that song, there's this guy named Dante, I think his last name is pronounced Bo. It's B-O-W-E. Um, he has an incredible voice and I heard him on some award show not too long ago. He was singing this song called Joyful and it's just like, I mean, it's a very joyful song and like you hear it and you're like, how can I not like have a great day after listening to this song? Um, but I don't know how this song got onto my playlist. Like it was on my, I, I don't know if I saw it on my Discover Weekly and I recognized his name and I popped it on there, whatever. Had never heard it before. And it's called Be All Right. And it, like, I mean, it's just talking about, like, 
you're going to like, everything's going to be okay. And it was just one of those things that like in that moment, that was like the thing that I needed to hear, you know, mm-hmm. like it was just, I, it, it had been a day and that song came on and I was just like, okay, like I'm going to be good. It's going to be okay. Um, and it like got me through to the next moment. Um, so that, that newly is one. Um, also the song two by sleeping at last. So I was talking about earlier that he like has all these concept albums and stuff. And so he did a whole album on the Enneagram. So he wrote a song based on each Enneagram type. I didn't know anything about the Enneagram when I first heard these songs. Um, and two is my type. And so I listened to that song and that was the first time in my life. Like you were saying, like you hear lyrics and you're like, Oh, like, yeah. So that was the first time in my life that I had ever like felt just fully seen. I was like, all of these things that I think are wrong with me, they're not wrong with me. Other people are like this too. It's just like a part of who I am and I need to learn how to address it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, and then that's when I was like, okay, I need to look up this Enneagram thing because this is like, and you know, learn more about it. Cause it was pretty interesting. And mm-hmm. like, but that, the song is like really, really beautiful too. But just like all the lyrics in it were just like, I have thought all of these things and never known how to express it. And here we are. <laughs> So, so that was, that was special, but I I think the oldest song for me is 15 by Taylor Swift, um, which funny enough, like she released the fearless Taylor's version earlier this year. And so the song, I mean, some people hear it and they're like, Oh, it's sweet. It's about high school whatever. And, but like the age of 15 was like, probably that was probably the worst year of my entire life. And there's a lyric in the song and without getting into too much, um, it's kind of what I hinted at a little bit earlier too, with like all the corn stuff. Um, but I went through like a really traumatic relationship and really traumatic period in my life for like four years. And it all started when I was 15. And so hearing somebody else talk about that, like I wasn't the only one that like experienced something difficult during that time in my life. Um, it was just like, it felt a lot less lonely, I guess, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. For and sure. I think, I think yeah. music does that a lot, you know, like you'll hear yeah. a song and somebody will be describing a situation they've been through. There's a lot of songs about a lot of topics that I'm not going to divulge on uh, a very public podcast, but um, <laughs> that I've heard and I've been like, I'm not the only one who's ever felt like this. I'm not the only one who has ever experienced like this type of trauma. Like mm-hmm. somebody else has been through it too. And it just makes the world seem a lot less daunting and problems seem a lot like a little bit smaller, I guess, because there's so- at least one other person on the planet that's like experienced it before you. Yeah. All right. So that is all of like the questions and stuff that I have. So thank you again for taking time out of your day to join me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It was really fun. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the People Project Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or all of the episodes of the People Project, please subscribe and share and tell all your friends and share it on social media. I really appreciate it, um, especially the ratings and reviews. Uh, Those mean a lot to me. They really go a long way. Um, So I have a really cool episode in store for next week. I can't wait to tell you all about. So I'll see you then.